2: Okay, welcome in to another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. Again, uh, ran into some people at basketball and had really nice things to say uh, about the podcast, and I'm glad people enjoy it. Well, I, as you guys know, we're going to keep going through right through the uh, spring game, and then I go under the knife, so take a little bit of time off from it, bring it back at some point in the summer. Hope everybody had a great weekend last weekend because it was one of those Crazy, wild. There's so much going on uh, weekends and wasn't starting out great when gymnastics lost and baseball lost and basketball was looking like crap on Saturday. Uh, And of course, they rallied to win the game. And, you know, I, I actually got a couple of people send me emails, long emails about what's wrong with Florida basketball. This is a team that has won four in a row. I don't care how they win it. My motto in basketball, more than any other sport, I mean, every sport, you could say this is true. But my motto in basketball has always been win by one. If you win the game by a point, that's fine. I don't care what the – if you win, you got to win. It's all about winning. This is why I've been looking at Florida's resume and not been as impressed as the metrics because they haven't won a lot of these games. But the metrics have been really good to them, and now they're sitting here in a really good spot. Yes, we're going to start out by talking about basketball. I know we tend to start with football, and we'll get to some football things as well. But uh, we're going to start with talking talking about basketball because um, I think it's become a obviously a pretty big story. It was a story before, but the story was not a pretty one. The story was people upset enough to want Mike White out and, and ridiculous some stuff like that. Um, but it wasn't a story uh, that anybody really wanted to read. Um, but obviously the four-game win streak, uh, the win at, at Baton Rouge is was just phenomenal in, in how much weight it carries. And then, you know, to turn around and, and LSU at home the next game beats Tennessee, I mean, it just continues to be – that's, you know, in the numbers. Now, I will say this. I believe the numbers – aren't going to change drastically anymore. There's too much data plugged in there. My old friend um, Heath Klein used to say, garbage in, garbage out on these computers. But whatever, it's the, that's the garbage you have, and the garbage has piled up, and it's near the top. So you know pretty much where you are. The only thing that can screw it up or make it better is for you to win against... Uh, for Florida's case, for example, you can't lose... To Vandy or Georgia, you you if you can beat those two and beat LSU at home, and you know I'm not expecting them to go to Senior Day in Kentucky. Now, although I don't think they have any seniors, I'm not expecting them to go up there and win that game. So you figure you've got three shots and three opportunities here. Two of them are negative opportunities. One of them's a positive opportunity. Um, but if I, if they win. Here's the way I see it. Being the expert in the net rankings, as you know, I don't have any idea what it's all about, but I just know that that's what they're using. Okay, so with these net rankings, Florida's 31. I think if Florida wins these two games against Vandy, who I'm telling you, Vandy is not as bad as their record. It'd be hard to be as bad as their record, but they're not. They're not a bad team, but they just can't get through the end of games. Um... And then, of course, um, against Georgia here at home on Saturday. If they can get those two wins, whatever happens in LSU and Kentucky aren't going to have really any effect on their net ranking. Now, it'll have an effect on the way the committee looks at them. What I would say is that if Florida goes wins, lo- wins these two, loses the next two, loses in its first game of the SEC tournament, which would be a Thursday game, it's going to be a, an interesting Sunday. Win these two games, win one of those games. You got. You're going to the tournament trying to get a, a better seed. So you know, obviously, but then you lose one of these two games and lose the last two. You're probably out outside the bubble. That's how much that that stuff can change. So uh, look, I and, and like I looked at Lenardi's latest, um, and I will tell you guys, I talk NCAA bracketology. All day long. I, I, I am fascinated by it. And part of it is because Florida's been in the tournament so much lately. Now, I I remember when, um, gosh, growing up, Florida could never go to the incident. But I'm going to tell you a quick story, okay? Florida, this is how old I am. Back in the day, Neil Walk and Florida could never get, they finally one year got to the NIT. They couldn't get to the NCAA tournament because you had to win the SEC. And guess who was winning it every year? So they um, they finally got to the NIT and lost in the first round, didn't play well. But I listened to that game on the radio. There was no TV on the NIT. Are you kidding me? There was barely any TV for the NCAAs. The point is, I was looking at Joe Lenardi's um, bracket, latest bracketology, and he had Florida as a nine playing in the 8-9 game and my first reaction is oh death that is the worst place you can be but that's not the truth i'm going to tell you why florida get being the 8-9 team i will take it right now right now i will walk you guarantee it to me i would take it for florida right now and i'll tell you why we'll be right back with more on the duly noted podcast after this break you're listening to it at gatorsports.com
3: The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program, but not for everything. Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rates and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No no have you ever thought about owning your own place in gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends call betsy pepine the top realtor in gainesville and sponsor of the do we noted podcast at 352-226-8474 and she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to gainesville and when you're not using the place she'll airbnb it and take care of all the details Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. 352-226-8474.
2: Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Um, So here's why. Florida in the eight nine game, I'm I'm good with. That. I would take it right now. Take it as a guarantee. You got just got to get in for Florida. That's all it is. You've just got to get in. It's important for your program. It's important for your brand. It's important for your university. Because believe me, things like playing in the NCAA tournament and playing in major bowl games and all that, playing in you know college World Series, all those things help your university as well. You just got to get in. Get in. You got an eight nine. You are playing a team about like you, flawed, has problems. Their record wasn't maybe as good as they thought. Whoever it is, there is no point even looking at who it could be. And, and you got a chance to win that game. You got a chance walking out that court. You definitely have a, a legitimate fifty fifty, probably chance to win that game. And then if you win, you are probably playing number one, unless UNBC happens again. You're probably playing number one, right? Don't like it. Don't want to play Duke. Don't want to play Virginia. Don't want to. Oh, well, well. Wait a minute. Maybe Florida does want to play Virginia. Pretty good track record against them over the years. But no, you don't want to. You don't want to. But okay, so what? You got in the tournament. Even if you get knocked out by number one, you got in the tournament, and you had it. You kept that little run going. It's a mini run. It's only only two years right now. Keep it going, because next year you're going to be really good. So, you know, if Florida gets in or not, um, it, it's going to depend on them. And I, this is what we said going back two weeks, three weeks. It's up to you guys. I can tell you – I can show you the path to get to the NCAA tournament. And it is sad in a lot of ways that that's all we care about if, if you – are a a fan of a team on the bubble all you care about is getting in if you're a fan of a really dominant team you want the one seed you want to go where you want if you're a fan of a team that's kind of struggled a little bit like Tennessee right now losing two or three you're trying to right the ship before it gets going but you care where you go so um, it's going to be a fun finish here I'm looking forward to it I watched Kansas Kansas State last night um Obviously, Florida's got Vandy on on Wednesday. Uh, that'll be again not a big game for any anybody in the world, anywhere in the world, but in Gainesville it should be. And that that's the funny thing about the fan base here a great fan base on uh, or not fan base, but great crowd on Saturday for the game against Missouri, and they needed you, and it and it helped. But. Um, Florida basketball fans, I, I call them the three defcons. Like there's three levels of defcon for Florida basketball fans. Um, and defcon one, I guess it would be, would be the fan who thinks every basketball game is you know life or death, and it's I can't sleep, and and after a loss, and I can't after a win, it's just you want to watch a hundred highlights. Those are the those kind of fans, and there are there are a good number of those kind of fans. In fact, my little girls, my little girl, I say little girl, she's about to go to college, but um, she's I would put her in the DefCon one. DefCon two means it matters. It matters to you, not enough to miss a wedding to make sure you are watching Florida Kentucky, not enough maybe even to go to that many games or ever go to a game. Not enough that uh, you would stay up and watch a 9 o'clock game if you had to get to work early in the morning, but it matters to you. This is where the majority of Florida fans are. My, My saying on Florida basketball fans as a whole now, not individually, is it matters to them, but they're not passionate about it. You're passionate about football. We all know that. But most fans, it really is. And when it gets going in the NCAA tournament, you you really love it. That's when you're like, oh, my God, every day that's all you want to talk about. That's all you want to talk about. When Florida's got a low run going in the tournament. Everybody out there listening to this show, to this podcast, knows where they were when Shioza hit the shot against Wisconsin. Everybody. They might not have been watching, but they, they can tell you what they were doing, Right. So that's kind of where we are right now. Florida is in great shape um, to get in. And like I said, that's all that matters is that they get in. This is team is not a team built to win six games, okay? We all know that. I mean, you never know. You, they could get really super hot and they could do maybe what 94 did. 94 team was honored there Saturday. That 94 team was not overly talented. Here's what the 94 team had. A four, well, a three, their their three was a guy in Brian Thompson who offensively could barely score. He was a really good defender. Craig Brown knocked down threes all day, deadly. Talked to Craig a little bit at, at the game Saturday. Dan Cross was the ultimate point guard. You'd ever want tough as nails. The clerk out of, out of nowhere all of a sudden became an NBA draft pick, an NBA player. And then you had a, a, a six foot seven, 320 pound center. That team went to a final four. Okay. Now I know it's harder now, it's different now, but that team showed you how you don't have to be great. You don't have to be a great great players, but they were a great team. And what they did that year, their motto was find a way. If you remember, they I think they, they had a map or something up in their locker room, and every time they won a game, they take a piece off of it, and there was like a goal to get to, I think it was 19 or 20 wins. I'm not even sure. I remember Paul Jenkins writing stories about it. And they won by one, and they ended up winning – I, and I don't have in front of me. I, I think they won like 23 games or something like that. They were really found ways to win games, and w- including Daniel Marshall missing two free throws. It, all he's got to do is make one, the game's over. So those things have to go your way, and you never know. This is a long-winded way of saying, just get in and see what happens and have fun. That is something Jeremy Foley told me a long time ago. The one reason he was so uh, – constantly making changes in baseball. Part of it was because he felt like Florida should always be there, and if you're there often enough, you'll have a special team one year. Now, Florida's had several special teams. One of them, one of the best of them, went two and out in Omaha. Um, The team that that lost to South Carolina in the championship series was a great team. Um, And obviously the team won it all. And team last year was pretty darn good, too. But you have enough of them, eventually you're going to have the right team. This is what happened in basketball. You get there over and over and over again. Oh, remember what? five years in a row Billy couldn't get out of the first weekend? He wins back-to-back national championships. You just have to keep going, and that's, that's the way it is. So just keep going. Um, it was great seeing the 94 guys, though. Just wanted to make sure I mentioned that because, you know, it's funny. I was still the sports editor at the time when um, – when they went to that Final Four. So I was not traveling I didn't go with the team. Mike Bianchi was still the columnist then. And he went with them. And um, it was such a big deal. In fact, we sent like a bunch of – we sent like four guys up there or something. And um, But just that Boston College game, just never forget it. Winning that game somehow. Craig Brown hit a bunch of threes. And that team getting to a Final Four, still one of the great stories in – NCAA basketball history. You know, like Loyola last year was a great story. That Loyola team's way better than Florida. <laughs> that Florida team in in 94. That team was – and I'm not trying to – There were Craig Brown was amazing. Dan, uh, Dan Cross was a great, great, rugged point guard. He was really good at what he had to do to make that team win. And DeClerc was phenomenal. Um, so they were good. Don't, don't get me wrong. There was one NBA player on that team. And, um, but, but I mean, my point is that if you can, if you can win that way, you can win. Anybody can win. That's why we love March Madness. That's why we love watching Loyola last year. Okay, although well, I don't think they're very good this year. You may not see them around. Uh, the bottom line to this entire segment has been: we're down to it. We're at we're at the end of the rope here now for this basketball season in terms of this is when people start to get interested. The casual fan, the casual fan, during the, until the Super Bowl's over, don't even know that college football exists. Yeah. Duke and Carolina are playing or Duke and uh, Virginia or something like that, maybe they'll watch. But the casual fans now starts to pay attention, and it's a slow process as they bring more and more in. Down to the last two weeks of the regular season, ooh, I'm excited. I'm excited as heck. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Also, of course, this weekend, uh, baseball uh, gets the uh, series win over Miami. Nobody at around – I don't know what time it was, but whenever it was going to the bottom of the seventh and Florida uh, trailing again and had lost badly the night before, didn't look good. And boom. Boom. Will Dalton hits that triple, clears the bases, really seemed to enjoy himself, and um, they go on to win that game easily and then really played well, I thought, the game I covered on Sunday. Um, this is the team that's, that's going to have its ups and downs, and we talked about that in the preseason. But, man, this kid, Kendrick uh, kalilau I think that's how you say it, uh, he's a good kid, too. I, we, we've interviewed him a couple times. He can hit. He uh, Hopefully that, that holds up. Um, they've got some issues at, at the plate, obviously. They have before. We'll see how they handle it going forward. But they they threw the ball really well. At, anytime you, you beat Miami in a baseball series, it's a good thing. Because some people never were real fans of that Miami program. And for some reason, you know, it's funny. I sensed, and maybe I'm way off on this, that the Florida baseball players, that's their rivalry. That it's, I don't know, that it may am be, um, LSU because of what the history there, but most of those guys are gone. But I sense because the younger, it's a younger team, guys who've uh, maybe played a lot of travel ball with these kids that are playing at Miami. That was a chippy series, and you sense that Florida, you know, again, maybe part of it too is that you play three games, whereas the FSU series has now become this spread out thing. I don't mind the way the FSU series is. The only thing that bothers me about it is it feels like every other year they should play a three-game series where you have um, our best against your best, you know, but at any rate. So you had that all this weekend – that certainly turned out to be great, I think, for Florida fans. Um, we also you had the softball going up now 18-0. and 0. Crazy. They're really good. And then, of course, gymnastics losing to Georgia. They still can clinch. That was disappointing. And the funny thing is their score wasn't that bad, but everybody I talked to said that, that it was kind of some questionable judging and that there was a um, – they just didn't quite – they weren't crisp enough that they should have won that with a really good score. So, look, we all know I I think I think I talked about this before. Gymnastics regular season sometimes feels like the least meaningful even though it's tremendously meaningful. Even though they're drawing 8,000 people there. But it's almost like you you're going to see a show. You're going to see um you know, a ba- a ballet or something. You're going to see this stuff and it's really good and. The, Everybody loves to bring their little girls and everything, and it's great. I love covering it. And uh, you go see it, but really if you lose, all it matters is that you qualify for a regional. You go to the regional. You qualify for the nationals. You go to the nationals. You get to the Super Six, and you see what happens the last day. That's what the whole season is defined by. You think basketball is defined by its postseason. Gymnastics totally is. And I actually i'm a bit of a gymnastics fan all right what else do i want to talk about before we get to peter burns i'm gonna get to some football after the break i got three things as well we'll get to peter burns first and return here on the duly noted podcast at gatorsports.com
1: at viStar we believe in better better convenience so members can bank any way they want whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh
2: Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast here at Gatorsports.com. Always a great pleasure to be joined by my next guest, Peter Burns from the SEC Network. Uh, if you're like me, you're tuning into SEC now, find out what the heck is going on, watching all the stuff. I mean, to shift from football to basketball, seamless, I think I tell you, my man, Seamless. Well,
4: I tell you what, it's uh, it's a lot easier now that the teams are really good, Pat, as opposed to it was like twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen where it was like going from sixth gear to like dropping yeah. down to third real quick and real clunky. So uh yeah, you know, I mean now you got a couple of contenders who I can actually make a run at the title. You got probably, you know, seven or eight tournament teams. I mean Trust me. There's a lot more smiles going on around FCC offices and probably the FCC network because of how the basketball product's actually pretty darn good now.
2: Yeah, it's actually it's been really good. But it, it, I, unfortunately, they've got some teams that I think they thought we were going to be able to get in or at least be in the bubble that I'm not sure are even on the bubble right now. And of course, the the situation with Florida it's it's almost bizarre. We have this new net rating system, and and it loves right. Florida to death. And We're trying to figure out whether that's going to be the difference, you know, that that, that the committee is going to look at.
4: Well, I'll tell you this, the the net number loved Florida a whole lot more than I did about three weeks ago. I mean, you know, me and Antoine Walker were talking about it. I mean, full disclosure, Pat, I always try not to pull any punches with you, but, you know, I was I was sitting there looking at, you know, what does this committee or what does Joe Lenardi see out of the Florida Gators? You know, and obviously this was a game or two after Keystone went down, so I knew it was going to take him a moment, uh, you know, kind of get on board, but you know, I kind of left them for dead. And sure enough, all of a sudden, man, they start playing incredible ball. And it's the Mike White way. You know, I mean, obviously playing a lot better defense, switching up a little bit better. And, you know, you get a game where Jalen Hudson gives you 15. We were like, hey, where's that been all season long? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, gelling at the right time. And I think, you know, we talked about it, you know, on our show this morning. When it comes down to it, this is when having the pedigree of Florida basketball is a big thing. Because if you're in the committee – and, yeah, they'll look at the net numbers. They'll look at all types of different, you know, spreadsheets. When it comes down to it, someone's going to have to say, hey, do I want to take a Florida or do I want to take a Mount St. Mary's or, or you know, Illinois State or somebody like that? Well, you know, you, you're, you tend to go with the brand. That's just the human awareness aspect of it, and that's, that's a credit to uh, you know Florida and what they've built in that program over the last couple—I would say—decades.
2: You know, a lot of people have talked about it being a soft bubble this year. Um, but you, I always say, well, I'll tell you when it's a soft bubble is when the conference tournaments are over because you don't know if it's a soft mm. bubble or not. It can harden up. I just don't know if there's enough room in there for teams like, well, certainly Arkansas and Alabama. Still, still to me, seems like a team that's on the outside looking in.
4: Yeah, Alabama's such a strange team because on paper, you know, they they can show you that they've got all the players, right? I mean, um, you know, when John Petty plays well, that you know, they've got Tevin Mack who's been in incredible certain times. And, you know, with Kyra Lewis, the 17-year-old kid, he's been solid. But, man, they, they just seem dysfunctional. You know, they'll have the two big blowout losses about a week and a half ago, and then, you know, they lose to A&M. You're thinking, what is going on? You know, they barely get by. Uh, you know, Vandy this week, if I'm not mistaken, and they just look like a team that's kind of lost. They can't figure it out. And I think that's part of, you know, right now, Kayvon Allen's the guy for Florida, right? I mean, you know, Grant Williams is the guy for Tennessee. P.J. Washington's the guy for for Kentucky. I don't know if Avery Johnson knows who that guy is for for Alabama basketball right now. Not having that guy is brutal this late in the year because no one else is, is rallying the guys behind you on the court and going, hey, what the hell are we doing here? Let's get this thing together.
2: Yeah, and they obviously had the guy last year, Colin Sexton, and, uh, right, you know, kind of miss it. I agree with you 100% on that. Um, it's going to be... Uh, by the way, I want on the record that in as an AP voter, I voted on the All-SEC preseason team, and my player of the year was P.J. Washington, and I guarantee I'm the only person who said that, and now he's living up to my expectations, but... Uh, How do you think that all comes down between him and Grant Williams? Because it it obviously is a two-player race.
4: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, honestly, I think Tennessee is kind of like the Alabama situation in Florida, right? Like, do you give Alabama, you know, the player of the year or coach of the year because the whole team is good? And sometimes it's held, you know, it's kind of held against them. And I think that's the case with Tennessee. I think Grant's good, but Admiral Schofield can go off. Lamonte Turner's solid. Jordan Bone, Jordan Bowden. I mean, they've got so many guys that can go off where for week in and week out, when we see the guy that I think brings his team to the biggest next level is when P.J. Washington is a four. So, you know, God forbid I actually, you know, we have to give Kentucky guy a actual, uh, you know, <laughs> award. You know, that hardly ever happened. They never, you know, they're so underneath the radar, but I think this is the year, honestly, they he deserves it. Uh, and it, obviously, it, it, you know, hey, Tennessee has a lot of basketball in front of them. They still got to play right. Ole Miss. They got to play Kentucky again. Uh, they still have Auburn and then the then the tournament. So there's a lot of basketball still be played? My, my bigger question is not the coach or, or not the player of the year, but Pat, I'm trying to figure out who in the world is the, is the SEC coach of the year coming up this
2: year. Wow, that's a great question. I hadn't even thought about that, but I mean you know, you eliminate Cal Perry right away because he's got all of these great <laughs> right. players, so nobody ever is going to give it uh, certainly to him and you know, the way Auburn fell off and Mike White just won it a couple years ago and, and um, I don't know. I mean you might... Lean towards Kermit Davis.
4: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a two person race. I mean, with Will Wade and Kermit Davis. You know, and, and I hate not to give it to Rick Barnes because I think he's done a great job, but, you know, obviously the two late losses kind of, you know, I knew that Tennessee was going to be good. You know, that wasn't a
2: surprise. Right. right.
4: I didn't think that LSU was going to be this good, nor did I really think that Ole Miss would be a, a tournament, you know, contending team, and they are. So, I mean, I, I think the coach of the year should go to a guy who. Really, kind of over-exceeded expectations, and I think that that that's Kermit Davis at this point. You know, I mean, you know, there's not a ton of new names on that roster at Ole Miss. He just found a different way to kind of put the the you know the recipe together with the same ingredients. Um, and that's not a knock on Andy Kennedy, who I think you know I, I think no different than you know what Kirby Smart you know did for Georgia basketball or Georgia football. And maybe, hey, they needed a guy that's going to, you know, talk to the guys a little bit different right. and a different change throughout the building. I think that's what's happening at Ole Miss basketball, and that's why I think Kermit would get my vote for it right now.
2: I've been trying to tell people Vandy's not an zero fourteen team. Um, it's but, amazing, uh, I, right? It's I've unbelievable, them, yeah. or what? I've watched every game they've played this year, and in every game they're in it, and they you know, and then they just at somehow find a way to lose. But uh, I, I still think it's a tough game for Florida because Florida's not good enough to. To roll the ball out there and beat anybody.
4: Dude, trust me. Since I mean, you've covered basketball a whole lot more than I have, but since I've been locked into this conference since 2014, I have seen some bad, bad, really <laughs> bad basketball teams. And Vanderbilt, despite what losing 18 in a row, is nowhere close to one of the top five bad teams I've seen. It's just, you're right. You know, I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, they're never going to give you like a 2 or a 3 game. They always, you know, they're just consistent like a 4 and a 4.5 or a 5. Where they're just just that annoying out, and I think that's a credit to, in a weird way, to Bryce Drew that these guys haven't quit on the season. They play everybody tough. You know they've got talent. Just you know when you lose a guy named Derek Garland, going to be a first rounder you know or probably a lottery right. pick. That's that changes the calculus of it. But you know again, I don't. I think this late into the season, um, you know there's no such thing as an easy W right now because. You know, even look at Tom Crean's squad. I thought that team may quit on Georgia after his you know, comments that he made about a month ago. But guess what? They, they, you know, they've lost games, but they've played everybody really, really tight, too. So uh, that's going to be a hell of a finish for the last week or two. And um, ultimately, I, I don't know if I'm not going to go with LSU winning the regular season title. I mean, they, they, they don't play Kentucky right. nor Tennessee any longer, and they have the tiebreaker against both of them.
2: Yeah, that'll be uh, amazing if they do and I would agree with you there. Hey, uh last thing because uh you're getting ready to get into that season where you've got spring football, baseball, gymnastics, basketball, all these other sp- I mean, it, it you're you're going to have a hard time fitting everything in to your shows, right?
4: Well, men's and women's golf as well, too. Yeah. I mean, we do – yeah, that's a little bit of everything. I mean, that – you know, people always think, oh, the SEC Network, the busiest time of year is football season. And I tell them, actually, no, the the easiest time of year is football season because yeah. we only got games on Saturdays and we got all week to talk about them. I mean, we, we don't have enough time in our shows right now to show all the highlights between softball, baseball, basketball, and, you know, and then spring and we start doing these spring tours, so – um, you know, spring sports is really, you know, where, where the SEC really dominates. I mean, as much as we talk about football, it's, you know, I mean, you guys know down in Gainesville. I mean, what Tim Walton's done in softball, Sully's on baseball, you know, gymnastics. I mean, it's, it's a, it's been a hell of a, uh, a hell of a run. Come April, it's a, it's a good time of year for us for sure.
2: Absolutely, and it's always good to to watch you, Peter. We appreciate your time, Peter Burns from the SEC Network, joining us here on the Duly Noted Podcast. We'll take a break. Come back with more right after this break. Okay, thanks to Peter for coming on the Duly Noted Podcast here. Um, so a couple of football things. You know, Miami got another transfer. They're loading up on transfers. they got got two kids from UCLA, Jalen Phillips being the latest, who had declared himself uh, medically retired, right? And now is coming back to play. I, so weird deal there in terms of were, were you hurt so badly you couldn't play or were, you, were they trying to, was that a Chip Kelly thing where, hey look, we're going to retire you medically even though you're not that badly hurt? I'm not accusing him, but that's what it sounds like. Um, and so they keep loading up on transfers, and it kind of makes you go, "Yeah, they now are they? Is this mean? It's desperation, you? Where they're just they they got to get players in here because they don't. They, what they've been left is just terrible. That that seems hard to believe that they wouldn't have really talented players. Um, or is it you know guys that are that are not that good and they're just they have to. Fill some spots. I don't know. I mean, most of these players I've never heard of. Tate Martell being the one, and, and we don't know if he'll be eligible. But it's gonna be an interesting football game on in August, at the end of August. I can tell you that. Uh Derek Mason got an extension. And I was um I wasn't surprised. I was always, I'm always surprised when that comes out after signing day. But I guess at Vanderbilt, it doesn't really matter. You're going to get what you're going to get at Vandy. It doesn't matter whether they think your coach is going to be there or not. Um, I I, I think Derek Mason is doing a good job. And Derek Mason may be the normal ceiling for a Vanderbilt coach. The James Franklin ceiling, I can't explain totally. I can't explain why he was able to win like he's won there. And it's almost like – that was the. He did such a great job there, but that may be a ceiling, and that's why he's had a hard time busting through the ceiling at Penn State. Does that make any sense? I I just, I mean, for a guy to win the way he won at Vandy, he should have won multiple national championships at a school like Penn State. So, now again, when you're in the same, you know, conferences, two teams that allegedly are national championship contenders. I don't really consider Michigan to be one because they have fallen so, so badly. Anyway, all right, next, what what else? Oh, I did want to talk about this. Auburn, Georgia, there's talk, or at least they, they pretty much have agreed, the president of Georgia saying so, to move the game to early October next year, not this year, but next year. And, you know, I, I don't sense, I sense that this was a story that, when people were writing it, they were like, "Boy, this is going to be a big deal because it's moving South's oldest rivalry. It's always been played in November." I didn't sense anybody gave a rat's behind when it was played. That that in fact, for Auburn, we know why Auburn wants it moved because it leads right into Alabama, and that's a pretty tough way to finish off your schedule. Uh, I'm not sure why Georgia wants it moved. Um, they're going to now play Tennessee that week. Which is a bigger game, I guess. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure, and I wonder why whether Tennessee really wanted to move in it. I guess they they must have signed off on it, move into that November spot that Auburn used to be in to play Georgia. Um, I don't. I I don't know that I would want. I don't know. Everybody, everything changes. You it depends on how you do as a team as you develop. Some teams are better in November. You don't want to play them in November. And some things you'd like to play in November because maybe they've already given up or maybe they've they've uh, bagged it. I don't know. Anyway, let's go ahead and get to three things. Three things. Okay, three things. Let's do three. It's time for three things. Number one, um, you know. Uh, Spring training has started. I I'm not one of those baseball um, purists who believes in all the nuances and everything, and can tell you what a guy's WAR stats are, and I don't even know what that stands for. Um, so, and and you know the pastoral part of it, you know the whole walking into the field. I, I don't know. I guess maybe I've, I've I've seen enough baseball that it it doesn't. Uh, Spring training does not mean anything to me. But guess what? Braves got good. I like what they did in the offseason. Yeah, I've been checking out the exhibition game scores. I have been. I got it. They pulled me back in, but um it's um it's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be an interesting year and I am curious to see if the Braves are able to continue to to move forward. And that's really and then the Red Sox, I like the Red Sox too. But all I could think about today was I was telling somebody this story going through the Braves lineup from 1969 and telling them the nicknames. And Okay, this is Milo Hamilton. Now, Milo Hamilton was, I grew up with Milo Hamilton. He was the number one announcer for me. As good as Otis Boggs was, Milo Hamilton, I listened to more because every game was on the radio. But it was uh, first base, was Orlando Cha Cha Cepeda. Second base, you had Sonny Bones Jackson. No idea. Shortstop, how appropriate or uh, inappropriate was this? Shortstop, Marty Taco Perez. Now, these are names he gave them. Earl Williams was the big cat. Gilgarito, the roadrunner. Beep, beep. Used to love that team. Actually, I don't think Sonny Jackson was an outfielder. He wasn't. Second base. Who was second base on the team? I can't remember. Oh, Felix the Kitten, me on. Come on. The Kitten. Anyway. Huh. Uh, so I was thinking about those old days with Milo. Braves baseball is on the air with all the excitement of Major League Baseball. Today's game brought to you by Kent Newport and True. So, there's things that stick in your head for the, your whole life, like the Jacksonville song. Have you ever heard the Jacksonville song? They used to play this when we were kids, and, and it got drummed in your head, so I know the whole whole thing. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, oh, what a wonderful town. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, the place is growing up by leaps and bounds. You can pick any city in the 50 states, but oh, that Jacksonville, the greatest of the great. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, a wonderful place to work and play and growing bigger every day. Now, I can tell you, right now, Robbie could sing the same song to you because it got embedded into us if you only had Jacksonville channels. Anyway. Yeah. Let's move on from there. Number two, um, the whole LeBron mania for for some of, people who aren't big NBA fans, and you put, you cannot turn on anything. It seems like without people talking about LeBron and their latest game. They lost last night. It's going badly for them. They won last night. What a comeback! Every game is overly dissected to the level of ridiculous. Guess what? That's exactly what LeBron wanted. So why went to L.A. That's why he went to the Lakers. The Lakers are huge, probably number one, ahead of the Dodgers. Yeah, I think they are number one. The Rams are like three. This is why Chip Kelly went to UCLA. I've told people this. He's the seventh biggest story. Yeah, it's fine with him. He doesn't care. But this is why LeBron went out there. Yeah, you're the biggest story. In some, a lot of towns, if you're the basketball, I but are you in Boston? No. It goes Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics, right? Or does it go Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots? Bostonians can let me know. Um, is it um, Philly? No. L.A. Different, different breed. But it does get annoying after a while dissecting everybody on their team. And, and, and The NBA is this amazing league just full of stories, and the reason that there are constant stories or one of the biggest reasons, and it's pretty brilliant, is that you have to talk at your shooter around you have to talk as a coach, before your game and after your game. Not just after the game, before the game. Can you imagine if Mike White, an hour or two hours before the game, we got him, I don't know how many of those I would go to, but Billy Donovan's like, the first, when he first got there to Oklahoma City, he's like, what do you mean a pre-game press conference? And then he, he went to, to, to it and he said, he told the guys, guys, nothing's changed since yesterday. I don't know why, why I'm even doing this, but that's the way it is. They feed the media... Constantly. That is the way to build your brand. It's what the NFL – NFL is so media-friendly compared to college football. That's why an NFL is number one. That's what all teams need to understand. All right. I went off on a tangent. Let me get back on a tangent. Number three, the uh, Alliance of American Football, I'm a fan – uh, mostly because of C Spurrier, but I, it's football. I'm going to watch. I watch a lot of it already, but you notice conspicuously there is no mention of it on ESPN, not on the crawls, not on the uh, not on a website, and they're very aware of it. The uh, AAF people, and you can do the math and figure that ESPN is. Behind the XFL, which is coming out next year, so why promote a league that's going to directly compete with it? Um, I've been told some things that, like last week, I talked a little bit about that payroll issue. It was not an issue. It it, it was such. It's been explained to me by people who know, and I I, these are people I trust. Exactly what happened there, and the bottom line is that's the only story you see on ESPN because it's negative. ESPN, you're better than that. You're better than that, okay? You've got 8 million sites up there, 8 million clicks you can click to. You're better than that. You can't devote two graphs. But I will say this. The league, and I have had discussions with people over at the league, the league's got to get better at marketing themselves. Not, not television-wise, it's a made-for-TV league. they got to get better at getting the information in newspapers. Newspapers aren't going to go out of their way to get your scores in the paper. They aren't. In the state of Florida, I guarantee you, nobody's really making an effort because there's so much else going on. But if you get it to them easily, boom, you got something. So it's a two-edged sword there. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Here's what I'm trying to say. is That's another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast for um, this Tuesday. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. Thanks to Peter Burns for joining us. We'll be back next week with another edition of the show and We'll see where Florida is, because believe me, after these two games, i got to make a decision on the SEC basketball tournament. And I think I know where I'm going to go, depending on what happens. So that's going to do it. Uh, Appreciate everybody for listening. I'm Pat Dooley, sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I'm deep, I'm way back, and I am out of here.